Okay, so a few months ago, um, God put on my heart to talk um, this topic on my heart. And I'm really thankful he has because in the months leading up um, to this event, I feel like it's only confirmed the leading of the Spirit as I've had countless conversations and interactions regarding friendship. That's left me thinking, you know, there must be more that we, for us as women, especially when it comes to friendship. Um, I wonder if it's my hair, actually. Um, I've spent many moments talking to the Lord in prayer and wondering what I could encourage you all with. So I decided I would kind of share with you what I wish I would have known um, as a junior higher and then reiterated to me as a high schooler and college age. Um, some of the things that have been pitfalls for me um, and things had I known and believed and been warned of, maybe warned of, maybe would have saved me some heartache and hard lessons along the way. Um, so see this talk today as me sitting down with you over coffee or tea or whatever you like to drink um, and sharing some lessons I've learned myself and ones that I've counseled many in your position today. <clears throat> Friendship is a topic most people can relate to, and I think specifically for women is something we don't talk about quite often, um, or maybe better said, we don't talk about it in the right way. Um, since little girls were told to find friends, to be a friend, to care for others in the way of friendship, but I'd say we leave a lot to the imagination on how we're to think rightly, biblically about it, and what to do when we encounter roadblocks in the way. I know for me, friendship has been a struggle kind of as long as I can remember. Um, middle school was probably the first time when I could remember feeling kind of disappointed by the lack of friends or mean friends, being bullied, um, and then in turn bullying others. Um, I remember as early as sixth grade watching others have their best friend and feeling some envy um, that I just wasn't blessed with that. I often felt lonely, sad, isolated. Um, can you relate to any of this? Um, in high school, this, this only gets amplified as most have kind of settled into friend groups with sports, activities, school, church, and it's really easy to feel kind of forgotten. And then you get to college, and the world is much bigger than it was before, and with that can leave you feeling kind of small. And beyond college, man, where do you even find friends? Um, if not at your job or school, then hopefully at church, right? Um, but what if you go to church and you feel like everyone's already got their best friend and they don't have enough room for you? Um, finding true biblical friendship as an adult can be a thorn in the side for a lot of women. And then if you do find a friend or two, most people find themselves disappointed with how they're treated or cared for. Maybe you have a best friend for a time, but they end up leaving you and now you're lonely again. Or maybe you just can't find a friend that seems to understand you well or the season of life that you're in and relate to you in a way you'd hoped. So how are we supposed to navigate this? Part of the reason I was inspired to talk about this was the conversations I've had lately with some young ladies, most high school and college age. But I found a common theme here. Most are on a quest to find a best friend. And after talking this through with some girls, I've kind of come to the conclusion I've decided I don't think this is actually a worthy desire or pursuit. I often wonder if maybe we've, if we got rid of the idea of a best friend, that we might all be better off. Um, because what if this quest for a best friend has actually become kind of a masked version of the sin of partiality, which means favoritism, or selfishness? What if in the search to find a best friend, we actually mean, how can I find someone to meet my needs for satisfaction and fulfillment? What if we didn't see our friends as pawns on a chessboard to give us what we think we need and deserve and just saw them as people we could minister to and serve? What if we didn't see finding a best friend as someone who is just like us and similar in all our interests and desires, but we just saw each other 
as uniquely important with different gifts to help us become more like Christ? What if the search for a best friend really isn't actually a biblical one, and because we've never really stepped back to analyze it and think through it, if it is biblical, that we've kind of just accepted what the world has to say and are finding ourselves lost? What if there's a better way and a more biblical pursuit of friendship that would leave us fulfilled and satisfied in Christ and spurred on to love others? I hope to unpack this today and present an argument for a better way of friendship. And as a side note, I do think this also goes sometimes for siblings as friends. Um, It's a unique and special gift to have a best friend and a sibling, and I encourage that and want that for you. But I would say that sometimes we put, I would say we can also put this in that category. It's one thing to appreciate the family and friendship you have therein, but it's also another thing to see this family friendship as something that will satisfy you and excuse many elements of sin because of the fact that they're family. So maybe you don't have a really close best friend, but you're really close to your siblings. Um, You can kind of think about that in this way. So let's pause for a minute minute, and do some biblical theology. Genesis 1.26 shows us that since the beginning, God is a relational God. God has existed within the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in eternity past, completely content in relationship with one another. But God, three in one, decided to create Adam. But then what does God say? Genesis 2.18 says that it was not good, what, for man to be alone. This is the first time God creates something and says it isn't good. So what did he do? He made Eve, a helper, a companion for Adam. So he's not alone now. Now God the Father was not only in relationship between the other persons of the Trinity, but he was now in relationship with other human beings made in his likeness. And from then on, as God commanded Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply, the desire and need and excitement for relationships only increased. Because God himself is a relational being and we are made in his image, we're also relational beings. It doesn't take a super smart theologian to tell you that we're made to be in relationship and communion with each other. Even those outside the church are doing this. We're all looking to be accepted and cared for by others around us, inside and outside Christian circles. The world will tell you today as well that we have a relationship crisis. I mean, the amount of times I hear people post and talk about toxic friendships or personality types tells you enough about the hardships we face when it comes to relationships, right? We're all trying to find an answer to our loneliness problem, but I'd argue that we're looking in the wrong places. The world's conclusions are far from helpful today, and if anything, I would say more destructive long-term. I believe in a lot of ways we have a friendship crisis today, and yet we know that God has made us for a relationship. So we have to kind of figure out how to manage this, right? So today we're going to look at, number one, what it means to be a good and bad friend. And then quickly, two, what to do if we're stuck in a friendship that is not God-honoring. And then Amy's going to follow up and give us some more reflections on this. So I've collected some data in the last few months regarding friendships and the things that I've observed. The remainder of this talk will be these, kind of a compiled list of things I see most often in friendships, specifically female friendships within the church, and some cautions that I'd have for you. If you can make two lists, if you're taking notes, um, and name them, I would call them probably one list, bad friends do this, dot, 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 and number two, good friends do this kind of a silly title. I couldn't come up with anything better than that. I even asked JT, and he's like, be simple. So that's it. So you can remember it. Bad and good. 
easy to remember. So let's start with bad friends. Number one, bad friends believe they have to be, they have to have one best friend above the rest. I discussed this earlier, but I just thought to myself when I was thinking about all these these girls that were saying, well, she's my best friend, but I'm kind of closer to this girl, and I just really want to have a best friend. And then I just, it came to me one day, I thought, what if we just decided to think about friendship differently? Sure, it's okay to have friendships that are closer than others. I have some friends that I'm like, oh, they're really close to me in this way, and then I have friends that are really close to me in this way. Um, But I often feel like we're evaluating our friends far too much. I often feel like the way we talk about friends is more harmful than helpful. We make an arbitrary, she's my best friend statement, and then now we feel like we have more obligation to them than this other friend that we just met. For example, why? Based on that we think they're the best? Well, what happens if suddenly in a different season of life you get close to a different friend? Do you demote now your previous best friend and now you call the other one your best friend and then you're all confused? I think this whole idea leaves us with more heartache and masks the sin of partiality favoriting one friend over another under the guise of another more innocent name. James 2.1 is very clear when it says, Brothers or sisters, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe we'd be better off if we would just see our friends as unique and different and choose instead to thank God for each of the friends we have and how different they are to us and what they bring to our lives. Number two, bad friends are transactional in their care for you. So I'll explain what that means. Have you ever heard people say something like, if they don't hold up their half of the deal, then I'm just letting them go. Or cut off toxic friends from your life. If they aren't being kind to you, why be kind to them? I mean, I've heard that so many times. Um, This is what the world will teach you, but it's not the gospel. It's not gospel love. Um, We're called to give 100% to others without respecting in return and no promise of them giving you something back. Number three, bad friends have to have constant communication and affirmation from you. Do you ever feel like you have to talk to your best friend every single day or know what they're up to or doing or get jealous if they're talking to their other friend about their day and not you? Or if you feel like you have to be, you feel like a part of you is missing or sad if you don't know what they're doing? Do you feel like you guys have to affirm each other that you love each other all the time and aren't going anywhere? Are you always saying like things like, you're my person, and are fearful when you think of the friendship ending? I say this because I did this a lot, so I'm not looking down on you guys. I'm preaching to myself here. Um, it just helps to kind of diagnose your heart. Do you talk about each other like you're dating or married? Um, do people feel like they have to invite your best friend to hang out if they invite you? Um, if you've answered yes to these questions, then this may tell you that in some ways maybe you've idolized Um, your friend to a place of idolatry. It's helpful to think about idolatry like any one thing or person that you need consistent care and affirmation from and you feel like you would be lost without them. The Bible calls that an idol. In this case, I would encourage you to repent and ask God to give you the right perspective on this. Number four, bad friends encourage you to sin and rejoice in your foolishness and deception. Do your friends say, oh, it's fine to stay out after curfew. It's only a few minutes. Or, I know you like that boy. You should definitely pursue dating him, even if he's not a Christian or even if he's leading you into sin. 
1 Corinthians 15, 33 is clear on this. It says, bad company corrupts good character. Run from friends who are corrupting your conscience. Number five, bad friends encourage friendship with the world. This is similar to the last one, but God calls our minds in Romans 12 to be renewed daily with the word. And as this happens, our love for the world and the things of the world will naturally lessen. But are your friends always encouraging you to engage in worldliness? James 4.4 tells us, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. There are many others I can list, but I don't have all mine, obviously. And the book, actually, Friendish, is kind of where I got some of these ideas from um, that I recommend to you. It has a much more extensive list. I really recommend that book to you. Um, but I'll end with this one. Number six, bad friends speak, speak ill of others and gossip when people are not around. Proverbs 16, 28 gives us insight here. It says, a dishonest man spreads strife. And a gossip separates close friends. When you're with your friends or close family that you consider your best friends, are your discussions honoring to those who are not in the room with you? Do your friends encourage you to build up with your words or tear down? Do they tell you to stop gossiping when you are? Or are they more interested in hearing the drama? I remember once someone told me, if the friends you're around are always talking about others to you, what makes you think they aren't doing the same about you when you're not there? This really struck me. I don't want to be known as someone who gossips about others when they're not around. And I think specifically as ladies, and I find this in my own heart too, is I just want to know what's going on with everybody else. Like, oh, well, she, does she like that guy? Oh, that's weird. Why do they like each other? It's just, it feeds. Like, I think it just, Satan allows us to, or tempts us to want to know the drama that's going on. But when your friend says, have you heard the statement? Have you heard about... You should think in your head, is what she going to say upbuilding to the person she's talking about? And if not, you need to be, we'll get more into this, but you need to be as somebody that says, wait, I don't want to gossip. It might be awkward, but you're helping your friend honor the Lord as well as you're helping yourself honor the Lord. Now let's discuss what good friends do. God honoring friends. These are some reflections I've made as I thought about what my godly friends have done for me as well as some practicals that I've encouraged others recently in their friendships. There's more here, of course, um, but I just wanted to touch the surface of this and leave you somewhat encouraged on what you can do that's honoring to the Lord. So number one, good friends serve their friends' needs without keeping score and needing the favor to be returned. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. This is simple. Christ's example shows us that he came to serve and not be served. And so we are called to serve as he has. Number two, good friends encourage you to confess your sins, but not only to them. Good friends are not possessive about the information that they hold about you. They desire for you to have a wide scope of counselors, and they don't need to be the only person who knows intimate details about you. Something that's always concerning to me that I hear from other girls is saying, well, I tell Sally everything. So when they're telling me that they're, well, no, I, I can't, res- I have to tell her because I tell her everything. That's actually concerning to me. There really shouldn't be anybody in your life that knows every detail about you and only them. The Lord should, and maybe your parents, like, your parents fall into that category. We're talking about friends here. So it shouldn't just be, well, 
you know, me and Karen, I just only tell Karen everything. I don't tell anybody else. This easily sets your flesh up for disappointment and idolatry. This doesn't mean that you have to tell everybody everything about you and all your deepest sin struggles, but it does mean you as friends should want your friends to have other counselors and confidants. This should not be a threat to your friendship, and if it is, it's time to reevaluate. Many times after I've shared things with a friend, they've encouraged me to go ask another mentor in my life for wisdom. And I've just learned over the years, that, especially in chatting with younger women, that you guys would just be better off if you realize that a wise woman has many counselors. There's a lot of women in this church, it's not in my notes, but who have, different, have struggled with different things that you might go to for different um, struggles that you have. Um, I've learned this like, with a lot of the elders' wives at our church. There's so, so many godly women, like, if one of them was a homeschooling mom, like, oh, I can go talk to her about that. If one of them, you know, struggled with this certain struggle and I know her story, then I go talk to her about that. Um, it's just, it's good to get different perspectives from different people and not just your close-knit group of friends. Because likely if they're your age, too, they don't got a lot of life experience to tell you how to, how to deal with something. And they might end up encouraging you to do something that's not honoring to the Lord. Number three, good friends encourage you in righteousness and advise you according to scripture. Good friends don't just need to give their own opinions, but point you to what God says about your life and problems. They want Christ ultimately to be your greatest counselor, not them. Do you hear when your friends say, do your friends ever say to you, well, you know what, let's look to scripture, what, that say, what, what you're struggling with, and let's see what God has to say about it. Or can I, I'll, let's just pray. Or are they first to go, well, I know what you should do. You know, I'm even guilty of this at times when people come to me, I'm like, I got the plan, I know what to do. This five-step plan, you're going to be out of your sin. And I don't ever go to God's word and say, well, you know what, there's, there's a passage on that. If you're struggling with jealousy, God's word has something to say about that. And if they don't know, that's when you ask another person, you know what, why don't we go to this person? Why don't we go to our life group leader and ask her what she thinks about that? Number five. Good friends love at all times. Proverbs 17, 7 says exactly this. A friend loves at all times. This means good friends are patient and long-suffering with you. They're not just there in the good times and leave you when you annoy them or sin. They're in the thick of suffering and misery with you, loving you unto Christ again and again. And as you guys get older and, and get friends, I've just been so encouraged about doing life with I mean, we've been, JT and I have been here now going almost on six years, and now just seeing, like, some of the people in my life that have gone through seasons of hardship and joy with me, it's just something I long for all of you ladies to have, that you would, you would stick, stick with it with your friends, even when you have struggles, um, because you'll need them in the future, and you want to love them unto Christ. I even think about Jess sitting there and like we lived with each other. Their family lived with us and we lived with them for a month. We've lived with each other for two months. And it was crazy, but so great like to live life with them. It was something I'll never forget. Number six, good friends are reliable and trustworthy. Proverbs 18.24 reminds us that some friends stick closer to us than even family. Especially those of you who don't have family that know Jesus be a reliable and faithful friend and trustworthy. Whoever goes about slandering secrets or slandering, revealing secrets. Sorry, let me read that again. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. That's Proverbs 11:13. 13. 
Friends ought to keep secrets in confidence. This means even from siblings and family members. Unless that person is in danger or you need counsel from them, that's understandable to share. But your friend's secrets and concerns are meant only for your ears when they share with you. That shouldn't be the situation where you go, wow, I tell Karen everything. Sorry. Maybe when you're married. That's like the one exception. Well, I don't keep things from my husband, maybe. But it shouldn't, I should never hear something from Anna and go, oh, I got to tell Karen because she's my sister. You know? I guess that would be Gina, but not me. But. Um, number seven. Good friends are needy for Christ and not for you. Ladies, I see this problem so clearly in young women. Our whole identity, mood, happiness is dictated by how we are treated or how we seek to treat our friends and others. We have become so needy for them. And yes, we are needy for people, but what does God's word tell us? He says, boast in our weakness. But why? So that we can put on display Christ's strength in us, so that we can be needy for him, not for others. Be a friend that pushes your friends to be dependent on Christ and not on you. Keep your eye on him and not on what you feel you need or want. Number eight, good friends tell the truth even when it's not easy to hear. Proverbs 27 tells us, faithful are the wounds of friends. It's a joy when we are told the truth by those who care for us. It wounds us in the moment but prepares us for joy in the future. Be a friend who is willing to risk your reputation for the sake of your friend's joy in Christ. Number nine, good friends assume the best about you. My favorite phrase when it comes to friendship and really any relationships and concerns, you may, sorry. My favorite phrase when it comes to friendship and relationships that you may have is this. If you don't know, ask. What I mean by this is if you aren't sure of your friend's motive or what they meant by something they said or did, you ought to ask before assuming the worst. Save yourself the heartache and offense and ask what they meant. I do this far too often in my marriage. I'm like, he said that one thing, and so he probably thinks that I shouldn't be wearing what I'm wearing because he said this one thing. And, and then I say, like, well, you said I shouldn't do And he's like, what? I was never thinking that. And that's often what I think happens. We, we project what we're thinking onto somebody else. So if you don't know, just ask. And then choose to address if you need to. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that love believes all things. Believe what is good and right and reserve judgment until you're sure about something. How many conflicts would be saved if we just assumed good before we reacted? Number 10, good friends rejoice with you in your wins and choose not to make it about them. This is a big deal. And this is probably the thing I've seen the most often lately when I'm talking to girls. Um, So my encouragement for you is, friend, if if your friend is in a season of victory and joy, join in with them. Choose to be joyful with them instead of wallowing in the fact that it's not you. That is simply jealousy, which, which is forbidden in Scripture. You know, sometimes others don't always need to know the weight of the burdens we bear. And may I say, sometimes it's better that they don't. Sometimes we do well to withhold our venting and just be joyful with another person. I think this is hard for us specifically as ladies. We feel so deeply, and praise God for this, we've been given big hearts, lots of emotion, and that's not always bad. But can I just say something somewhat controversial to say to ladies today? Others don't always need to know how you feel. And what you think doesn't always need to be expressed. 
The Bible tells us in Proverbs 29 that fools vent all their feelings, but a wise man holds them back at times. I'll never forget this story, and if you know me well, you've probably heard it several times, so forgive the repeat. But it's too good not to share. It's um, a story of a man who was unfortunately stuck in an imprisonment camp. He was sentenced to die in two days. His last wish was that he could spend last days with his wife. They granted him this, but they told him he was not allowed to tell her that he was going to be put to death, or else they would also put her to death. He agreed. He spent the last two days with his wife and made her day the most special he could. He cared for her. He prayed for her. He asked her questions and set her up so she could go on without him, all without knowing what was to come. And it wasn't until he passed that she knew what a selfless act that was. This story reminds me of sometimes what friendship is, though obviously not quite as intense. Um, friendship sometimes means you're rejoicing and caring for another while you bear a weight that they don't know anything about. Maybe you long to be married and God has allowed your closest friends to get engaged right in front of you. Maybe you long to be on that certain volleyball team, but you didn't make it and someone else did. Maybe you want to have a baby and God did not say yes and allowed others to get pregnant right when you wish for it. Rejoice. Rejoice because this is what God wants for them and it's what God wants for you as well. Why can we rejoice? Because if we truly believe that God is sovereign and in control of every detail of our lives and others, then we can trust that his timing is best. I can trust that even though I don't get what I really want right now, that it isn't what he has for me and he does have it for them. Have you ever practiced saying praise God for someone else's joys and wins without saying a thing about you and your situation? We would do well to do this more. God knows what they need, and he knows what you need, and you can trust him. Even if you have tears in your eyes as you listen to a story, you can trust him. I've told this story too many times now, but it's just what I felt when I felt this the most clearly. I've shared before that when we started to try for a family, I'll just say the process went slower than we thought it would. Um, we lost our first baby to miscarriage, and then it took over a year and a half for God to allow me to be pregnant with Eden. And so many times, I think it was, I think I counted maybe nine times in that one and a half years, others got pregnant around me, close friends. There were many moments where I was like, oh, again, Lord. I wanted to say, why me? Why? Or tear up when I was listening to pregnancy stories or watching my friend's babies run around. But what I had to conclude and what you do too is that God knows what he's doing. It isn't always about me. And even though that was a grueling time for me, God is so good to teach me how to be long-suffering and how to rejoice with others and continue to die to myself. When you feel like you can't hear another thing that is happy for somebody else as you're so sad and burdened, God says his burden is easy and light, and he will console you. You're never alone in it. He will strengthen you. When you feel like, I can't listen to another story, I can't go to that event, I can't go to another baby shower, I can't go to another wedding, he says, I will strengthen you. And no, this doesn't mean that there's no place for sharing what you're burdened about with close friends, but it does mean that sometimes we need to choose to just quietly trust the Lord and rejoice with those around us and keep the spotlight on them, even when we wish it might be on us. I can think of two friends who are an example to me in this season of life. Amy, who's speaking, I don't know she is, Amy and Amanda O'Neill. Both of them were maybe wanted to get pregnant too, and both knew the burden that I carried. And many times to me, they both would say, we hope you get pregnant first. And even though they wanted to. What an example that was to me. 
And that didn't happen. God had other plans. They both got pregnant a few months before me. But now we all have baby girls within a few months of each other. Um, And I praise God for that. So just know that there is room to share your burdens with others. But I venture to say we make it far more often about ourselves than we need to. And we do well. This is our perspective. Number 11. And I'll end here as I know I could go on forever. And I just want to give you a taste of the hope and joy you can look forward to in godly friendship. Lastly, and I would say most important, the goal of all friendships. So listen up. Good friends don't make friendship about them. This is similar to the last one, but your goal in all your friendships ought to be, how can I help present this person more mature in Christ? You ought to look at your friends and think about what God's best is for them and do whatever you can to help support this. This means you aren't looking at what to gain from them, but what you can do to help them. This means that if you need to end a friendship because it's best for them, then you're willing to do that. This means you aren't looking to be their number one best friend, but how you can make God the best to them. You aren't looking to be encouraged supremely by them or be invited to all their parties, but how you can encourage Christ's likeness in them. A lot of us have friends in different seasons of life, and maybe you can't totally relate to some of the things that your friends are going through. Maybe your friend is married, and you're not, or has babies, and you don't have them, or they're in middle school, and you're in high school, or she enjoys theater, and you enjoy sports, or they don't want to serve at church as much as you, and you think that that's lame. No, you don't have tons in common, maybe, but you do have the spirit to guide you in Christ who unites you. This is where it's different than the world. Most people find friends in the world of um, people that do the same things as them, and that's a gift when that happens. Um, But what we actually have in Christ is something that far unites us more than just what we have in common. Actually, a lot of my close friends are very different from me. Like, I don't know, I'm not even going to go into the differences, but I have a lot of friends, and most of my close friends are not like me. And actually, over the years, we've probably become more similar because we've become closer. You don't have to have everything in common to love a person into Christ. Make the conversation about them. Try to understand what it's like in their position and serve them even when it might be confusing for you. Because if friendship is not about you, it doesn't matter that you don't understand. It matters that they're cared for and served like Jesus Christ has served you. You see, I think we often believe we have to understand and be in someone else's shoes in order to care for them, but this is actually not a biblical idea. The word empathy has been thrown around, especially amongst ladies in today's culture, and I feel like it's lost its meaning. You don't have to experience someone else's experience in order to really care for them. Ask questions, learn from them, keep the spotlight off you, and learn to listen well. The number one pitfall to unbiblical and ungodly friendship is an idolatry of self. If your eyes are on Christ and secondly on serving your friend, sin will fall by the wayside as you embrace God and his word and help your friend become more like him. What if God's best for your friend is for her to get, some, to get closer to somebody else except you? What if God's best is for this friend to get married and your relationship now is going to look different? What if God's best for you is, looks like nothing you may want? But what if it's what God has for them? Then you ought to look to him and thank him for what he's doing and accept his will is for you and for them because friendship isn't about you. It's about God and then it's about them. So you might be thinking at this point, so what do I do now? Maybe you've exposed friendships and you're thinking about friends and things you're struggling with. Um, You might be thinking, do I cut off these certain friends? Do I confront them? What's next? 
So I don't plan to leave you without some parting thoughts about a game plan here. First, I want to encourage you that if you're stuck in a friendship that you believe to be unhealthy or you feel like you're idolizing a friend, that you would first run to Christ in repentance. I often think we kind of bypass this step, especially if we've been in the church for a long time. Maybe we even roll our eyes at the obvious nature. Okay, yeah, of course, repent, you know. Um, but it's really vital to your growth. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a gift it is that we have a God whose arms are outstretched to forgive you. And not only that, but to give you wisdom on how to move forward. And if we miss this step of repentance and going to the Lord in prayer, then we're going to forget to ask him for wisdom and we're not going to know how to move forward. God's word tells us that if we need wisdom, we ought to ask him because he is wisdom and has all knowledge. Secondly, how do I know if my friendship just needs to be cut off or if it can be salvaged? Well, I would encourage you to first evaluate what it is that's sinful in your friendship and go talk to your friend and maybe even a wise counselor to evaluate this. Let's say you've realized you've idolized a friend too much and it's become inappropriate or unhealthy in nature. Now it's time to address this friend, possibly especially if they're a believer, and share with them what it is that you feel is sinful between you two and let them know you want things to change. Or let's say you have a friend who's been encouraging you in ungodly living and you want to get out of this and confront them. Remember, good friends speak the truth in love even when it's not easy. So pray for boldness and go to them. If the conversation doesn't go well and they aren't willing to repent and walk in righteousness alongside you, then I would say at that point you can lovingly and firmly distance yourself. But all these things can be worked out when you share with somebody else. So I would encourage you if you're feeling like you don't know what to do with what's going on is to talk to somebody that's a Christian, godly mentor, your parents, or someone else to help you navigate this. And lastly, in conclusion, if I could just encourage you with a a vision I have for Redeemer women, especially young women, I would encourage you to continue in a godly manner in your friendships. Embrace biblical friendship and fight ungodly friendship, worldly friendship. Don't just bypass, like, we have these books here, and I know it could be easy to be like, well, I know how to be a good friend. And I have really good friends. But I thought I did, too, most of my life. And until I got married, did I really see, like, wow, I really didn't think about friendship the right way. Um, because, and it actually exposed to me that I idolized a few friends in my life because they had a really hard time with me getting married, and I had a hard time with, oh, now JT's my best friend, which I loved, but it was, it was a hard transition for me. So don't think you know everything, and then read up on godly friendship and reading God's word and, and continue to always learn. I do think our church does a great job of fostering good community, and we all love living life together for the most part. But we do have a lot of cliques here and groups of people who are close that go to church together. So obviously they go to church together, school together. Um, this is awesome, and I love this about this church. But we have to look outside of this sometimes. Invite the outcasts in. Remember what it felt like when you didn't have friends. Risk your comfort for the sake of another. Don't just assume you wouldn't be close to somebody who's different than you or a different age than you. Don't just invite your close-knit group of friends you always do to every hangout. We have a limited time on earth here to serve Christ and love people. Let's use it well. Let's not look like the world does with friendship and honor God in our hearts and our lives. Fight for what is true and right and good. Can you imagine what this church would look like if we all embrace godly friendship as women? Let's let Christ be our aim as we serve one another. There's truly no one-size-fits-all answer for your friendship struggles, but we do know about what we do know about this is that God has made us to have friends and to be a friend to those around us. 
He's commanded it in his word and sealed it by calling us his friend because of what Christ has done for us. What a gift that is. So if you haven't encountered much opposition or conflict yet in your friendships, it is bound to come because we're all sinners. And if you're close enough to somebody for a long enough time, you're bound to deal with difficulties. So I'm thinking about some of you middle schoolers. You're like, I've never had this problem. It might come. So just preparing yourself and arming yourself with God's word is important. You're bound to be tempted at some time to idolize your friend or feel lonely when you lack friendship or feel jealous when your friend goes to hang out with somebody else. But what we can do is turn to Christ. Christ is your greatest friend, your forever confidant. When you feel hopeless and alone and the nights feel long, I always said that to myself when I was up at night with Eden, which not everybody here can relate to, but I'd be like, man, it's long. Am I the only person in the world that's up at 3 a.m.? Which is not true. But it helped me to actually think about, like, God doesn't sleep. So he's with me. And there's other moms in the world, lots of moms in the world that are up at night right now feeding their babies and holding them while they're crying. Um, so God doesn't sleep. He's with you. He's, when you're lonely, he's there. He's not going to leave you. And that's the thing that Amy's going to go into this probably, but I can't help but say it. Christ is, is everything you've ever wanted in a friend but perfect. And it's hard because he's not here physically, so it's really hard to think about, like, well, I can't like, go hang out with him on Friday night. But you can. You have God's word. So don't let that be something that holds you back. Why don't you go and spend time in his word? Why don't you go pray? Why don't you go listen to worship music? Um, Why don't you go invite that one friend that you feel like is maybe lonely and be like, you come hang out with me. His word in Psalm 42.9 says, The Lord will command command his loving kindness in the daytime, and his song will be with me in the night. That's the one I memorized when I was up at night with Eden, thinking, okay, the Lord does not sleep. He's with me in the night. And the nights feel lonely when you don't feel like you have friends, but he's with you. When you feel wronged by your friends, hear the words of the Lord to you. First Peter 2, 23. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. You can entrust yourself to the same God. You can trust in Romans 8 that he says he works all things for your good and his glory. It's a worthy endeavor to trust a good God. Okay, before I get too into it, I'm going to leave off here as Amy will continue in our next talk. Um, but I was happy to be with you guys tonight. So let's pray. Lord, <laughs> thank you so much for today. Thank you for the gift of friendship, Lord.